calling all my footy fans from all around the globe. Straight out of NYC, this is The Line Breaker. Hey, what's up? Welcome to The Line Breaker. My name is Pano. I'm Dimitri, a.k.a. Juicy. And we're here for a little bit of a casual footy talk, if you will. Um, there's not going to be any specific thing that we're going to be talking about. We're just going to, you know, the date right now, it is uh, October 26th, 2023. It's a Thursday. We're just going to, we're going to talk about a few things that are interesting right now that are happening in, uh, in world football. And we're going to preview a few, you know, interesting games that are going to be going on this weekend. Um, how, how do you want to start with this one, Dimitri? I mean, I think, I think we should start with a... I think we could go in order. I mean, there's not many uh, games on tomorrow. But one game that I like to highlight... It's Friday, I know. But one game that I like to highlight, which is kind of important, kind of surprising too for this team so far this year, we have Crystal Palace hosting Tottenham. Tottenham first place in the Premier League. And tomorrow, we're going to see more of the same. Tottenham dominating, playing good footy getting another victory and staying atop the Premier League table over the weekend. It's also a London derby, by the way. So definitely um, definitely an important game. And Crystal Palace has Crystal Palace had a decent they've had a decent season so far, Crystal Palace. They're middle of the table, but um just wanted to just give you a little trivia. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Don't look at your phone. Yeah. Don't, don't look at your phone, you cheater. <laughs> two teams in the Premier League haven't lost. Can you give me the two? Arsenal and Tottenham. Oh, cheated. He cheated. I didn't cheat. I knew that. He cheated. Arsenal shall have lost. Two of the two of the biggest week, teams in London, right? The biggest? Not even close. <laughs> Tottenham shouldn't even be in that conversation. <laughs> you could argue that Crystal Palace is bigger than Tottenham. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. You could argue. You could argue that uh well Arsenal's definitely bigger than Tottenham. Um but yeah, I would say the most successful, especially recent, you know, you know the answer to that question, but we're not going to talk about them this week. Although they also have a London derby. Um, Chelsea have a London derby against Brentford. That'll be interesting as well. Uh, Chelsea have not beaten Brentford yet in the Premier League. Oh, they've beaten them once. They beat them once. And even then, uh, to quote Ben Chilwell, he said that it felt like they were in the depths of hell. During that game, that that's a quote from Ben Chilwell. It felt like they were in hell, so they they scraped through. That was that was a win away. F- that was at Brentford Stadium. Yeah, so Chelsea have not been successful against Brentford. Um, I'm not even gonna give you a score prediction. You never know with those guys, but um, I could see Tottenham beating Crystal Palace for sure. London Derby, but you would think Tottenham's got to slip up somewhere, right? Yeah, but this week isn't the week, in my opinion. I've, they've they've been playing too well. I think it's gonna have to come from one of those bigger clubs to uh, slow them down. I I think Crystal Palace will give them trouble. I don't see any hiccups from smaller uh, clubs in their campaign so far. I think they they're just playing great footy. I'll tell you what, this is gonna be the game. I I think I think Tottenham's gonna slip up tomorrow. Oh, I think they will. Whether it's a tie or a loss, then they're gonna slip up. They they can't keep going. They cannot keep going. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. 
but but this isn't really you know us doing predictions i'm not giving a rhyme or reason as to why um i just think crystal palace i think you know london derby they'll be up for it and i just i can't tottenham can't keep winning just like what i said about arsenal last year they can't keep winning it's got to stop eventually so that's what i'm going to go for but i'm actually surprised you started with that because we were talking a little bit before the uh before the recording and i know we were highlighting a few things we we were not highlighting uh london derbies at all for for this for this weekend although i i appreciate the fact that you you mentioned the first game of the weekend on friday just tottenham crystal palace we got a got a few big games going on but i guess we'll keep it premier league centric right we got a got the manchester derby on sunday yes i mean what do you what do you think about that because this is a huge game it is a huge game and Manchester United is home. They also typically do very well against Manchester City. They do they do play well. I think they always play up for the challenge. They're always up for it. Um Ohoyland has been, you know, feeling himself. He's been playing great. I, I could I could see them stealing a result. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing. Again, I think De Bruyne is out for City, which is crucial. And I, I can see the the Red Devils getting a result in this game. But but hey, they got a lot of injuries too, though. They um, do. They do. Malasia, Shaw, Martinez. Casemiro seems like he's day-to-day. Juan Bissaka. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of injuries as well. Um, they also, as, as we mentioned um, in our other episode before this, they definitely got away with it in the Champions League. They should not have won that game, but I digress. Um, I think it's going to be business as usual for Man City, though. I, th- I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be cagey. But I- I'm going to go with a, a 2-1 win for Man City. Mm. Okay. Yep. okay. 2-1 win. I don't think there's going to be a clean sheet. Cause I, th- I think our our boy Hoyland is going to get a goal. The you, the Walmart think, brand Holland. You think Onana's going to concede? Hell yeah. After his big Champions League performance middle of the week? Well, you think that's going to spur Onana on to be a beast for the rest of the season? No. Okay, okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go with a Man City win, though. Um, they should win, even if it's at Old Trafford. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even without De Bruyne, bro, come on. Julian Alvarez is going to be balling out. Yes, um, Akanji is suspended, so there is that to worry about. But like, still, look this this Man City team is still really good. I feel like people people underrate Man City just because of how good they are, because they're so used to them that people underrate them. That, that's my opinion. Um, this is still a very good team. Erling Holland is gonna score. He's inevitable. So. Even with the Walmart brand Holland, I don't think that Manchester United has enough. Um, so there's that. But there is, you could argue, the biggest game of the weekend. Although, obviously, it's lost some luster in recent years with the exits of, you know, two of the greatest players ever. There is an El Clasico this weekend. There is, right? There is an El Clasico. On Saturday. Barca is home. Not at the Camp Nou because it's under renovations. But Barca is home. A lot of uh, injuries. A lot of people will be missing that game. How, how about you? Tell me who. Uh, just a quick run through. We got on Barca side, Dijon, 
Felix has a knock. Gunde out. Pedri's doubtful. Rafinha has a hamstring injury. Lewa an ankle injury. And Sergio Roberto a calf injury. And then Madrid has Militao out and Courtois out. Uh, can you trust Madrid with Kepa in net? Uh, I, th- I there will be no clean sheet in my opinion for either for either team for either team, and um, it would just be devastating to have a Bellingham late goal tap in and then he throws his hands up like he's the Messiah. It sounds like you think it's gonna happen though. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's not the craziest uh, prediction. Now, is is Lewandowski a big miss for this game? I think I think he is. They they need that that uh striker up top with the experience to play off of. But something to I guess a positive to look forward to is a lot of these young players that Barca has been playing in recent games that they'll probably see the field will most definitely see I think Lamine Yamal play and he's been uh getting gathering some attention as a uh young young teenager uh, taking La Liga and, I guess, the Champions League by storm for Barca's measure so far in their campaign. Is he still 16? Um, I believe so. I can confirm that for you. 16 years old, starting in La Liga. And did he play in the Champions League or no? Yeah, he's he's been getting minutes. Uh, that's crazy. That's, <laughs> that's If he's 16, so what, that makes him a 2007? He's got to be a 2007. That's crazy. I coach kids who are 2007. He's, he's 16, yes. He's a 2007? Um, let me check that. I he literally... is July 13th, 2007. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I coach kids who are 2007. That's crazy. Um, yeah, you, 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 know who's a, you know who's a 2007? Uh, big fan of the pod, uh, Cristo Arduros. Oh, he's a 2007. Okay. okay. We get, get we just gave him a little shout out, a little <laughs> little bowler. But just want to highlight some of the other younger players that Barca's been playing. Obviously, we all know Gavi and Pedri. Pedri probably won't be playing, as mentioned. Fermin Lopez scored in the Champions League middle of the week, 20 years old. And then last last match match fixture in La Liga, a uh, another youngster for Barca. Uh, you know, I might mispronounce his name. Mark Gaye Guille, 17 years old, beat Atleti Bilbao in his debut off the bench. A lot of young talent on this team. Very interesting. Give me a prediction. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to go with a draw. A 2-2 draw. I knew he was beating her on the bush. He was talking way too much. I I knew. (laughs) You you really think it's going to be a 2-2 draw? Yeah, something inside of me is telling me a 2-2 draw. It's Barca's up late and then Bellingham's 92nd minutes happen? I I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Now, if he scores like a 92nd minute winner, do you think he slides and does the Messiah celebration? No, no. You you think he, he still does the standing up one? Yeah, I, I I think so. <laughs> um, you know, I don't have too many horses in this race, but um 
It's a lot of injuries for Barcelona. Not too many for Real Madrid. Um, and this guy Bellingham, he can play. I can't argue with that. Um, I think that Real Madrid is going to scrape away with a late winner. Maybe it won't be the 90th minute, but it'll, it'll be in the 80th minute range. Um, I think the 1-2-1. I think this looks going to be a cagey affair like the Manchester Derby. So, those those are some of the big fixtures of the week. Do you have any other fixtures to highlight? Uh, we do have an Ike Bauk Derby. <laughs> That's big, on Monday. Big big Greek soccer fans, big Greek football fans. Um, oh, speaking of Ayek, um, although Ayek did lose, there is a team in their group who lost again in the Europa League. And that's Ajax of Amsterdam, of the Dutch Eredivisie. Um, Ajax is in the relegation zone in the Dutch league. I know, I know we've, been, we've been slowly following this, and I feel like every single week, Dimitri and I kind of say, like, eh, how long is that going to last for? Like, eh, you know, whatever, it happens, whatever. But uh, what, I believe we're nine games into the Eredivisie, and... Ajax is in the relegation zone. That's crazy. I mean, could you believe that? I mean, to be fair, they only have seven games played. So oh, less only than, seven? Less than the other teams. But, um, yeah, it's not uh, it's not too good to be sitting at the bottom like oh, that. Oh, didn't they have that weird game that like got called off or something? Uh, Remember? Maybe. I think mm. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, they, I mean they haven't they haven't played really well. They've they've conceded more than they've scored. Um, well, yeah, that's that's kind of usually what happens when you lose games. Well, yeah, but you, <laughs> you know you could be one of those teams where you just lose by uh, one but win by like four. I got you right now. Got you right now. So they've only won one game. I found an article from Reuters. So there was a game that got called off. Ajax Amsterdam's Dutch league away game against RKC Owalwijk was abandoned in the 84th minute on Saturday after RKC goalkeeper Etienne Vaisen was knocked out in a clash with an opposing player. Vaisen went down after a collision with Ajax forward Brian Brabi, causing panicked reactions from his teammates as they frantically called for medical help. Um, both teams went inside, and after deliberations, the game was called off. So that's one game that was uh, that game was abandoned, and I don't think they've played it. I do not think they played it. That's kind of crazy. I don't. I don't think I remember like the last time that hurt anything like that. Um, what a, a game getting abandoned! Oh wait, they had two games abandoned. They had a game against Feyenoord abandoned too. That's why they've only. That's why they, they have two games called uh, two games. Listen, everyone, they were losing three nothing in the fifty sixth minute, and the game got suspended. Because fans were throwing flares and fireworks onto the pitch. That's crazy against Feyenoord. Well, that's, some inter- that's some interesting stuff right that, there. That, that's why they have two games less. I knew something happened. I didn't even know about the other one with the goalie getting knocked out. I knew about this one. Because this one was like the egregious one where they're like trying to get it like replayed or whatever. Mind you, they were down 3 nothing in the 56th minute. So Ajax is an absolute circus right now. Um... That's that's crazy. Could you see them finishing last in the Europa League group? I I could see them finishing in last. I feel. I hope I could beat them. 
Uh, Dimitri's an Ajax fan, so I'm sure he, he also hopes that. Yeah, they, they should have beaten them the last game in Greece, but I, I think they'll be able to get a result in the Netherlands. Um, but I, I don't see Ajax beating Marseille or um, Brighton in the last uh, three-game schedule. Well, they lost 2 nothing today, right? Yeah, and they tied Marseille. I think they were beating Marseille 2-0 in, in their previous game and then Mar- ended in a 3-3 draw. And they tied Ayek, right? Yeah, and Ayek missed a big chance at the end of the game. What was the final score of that game? 1-1. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so it's it's not looking good for Ajax. What? I mean, I don't think they're going to get relegated. Let's be real now. I mean, I don't think they're going to get relegated, but it's still pretty crazy that we're talking about Ajax, a, such a historic team, a team that's won Champions Leagues, um, Obviously, you know, the home of total football, Johan Cruyff. You've heard all this kind of stuff before. Um, the poster children for developing young talent. I mean, they made a crazy Champions League run not too long ago. It, it's it's really not too long ago now. 2018, correct? Yeah, so it's kind of uh, kind of crazy to say you went from the Champions League to getting relegated in a not-so-strong league compared to other big uh top five leagues so so yeah i mean look we'll we'll have to you'll have to watch this space and um take a, a couple extra looks at the dutch air but right now ajax amsterdam is in the relegation zone to be exact what uh what place are they in 17th i think out of 18 17th out of 18 that's crazy <laughs> yep they are 17th out of 18 and that's automatic relegation. 16th, which is third to last, goes into a playoff, I believe. Yeah. With it, That's like German Bundesliga style where there's like a, a playoff for yeah. the relegation teams. Wow. That's crazy. Well, there's that. But speaking of uh, disaster and also of Pano being right, you know, or, you know what I'm going to talk about now. No. Um, let's... Uh, I'm going to read a report right now. Listen. Oh, here we go. I said I wasn't a fan of him before. That's all I'm saying. I said I wasn't a fan of him before. Although credit to him, he's actually played decently well so far this season. Not exceptionally well. but he just didn't play his cards right. Let's just say he he gambled on the wrong things. Um, if I, I would say that Newcastle... Going, going after Sandro Tonali was a bit of a gamble, um, if you catch my drift. But uh, Sandro Tonali, and I'm going to read this, although, look, it's been reported by a bunch of people, but you know, I'm going to read it from the man himself, Fabrizio Romano, on Twitter today. It was today, right? It was today. Reports breaking. Sandro Tonali has been banned for 10 months due to gambling addiction scandal, plus also eight months of participation in gambling rehab plan. Tanali, suspended for 10 months from football activities, will be back August 2024. His season with Newcastle is over, and even more important, no Euro 2024 in Germany. Poor Tanali. From, <laughs> I mean, what a deal this has turned out for Newcastle. You buy the guy for big money. His move was, I forget exactly. Wasn't it 80? 80 million? 80 million around there. Um, you buy him for that, only for him to play 
it's October, right? So it's been two months. He's played, maybe you could argue, two and a half months. Although it's probably been more like two months. For him to play like two, two and a half months, now he can't play for 10 months. He can't play till the start of next season. That's got to be a terrible deal for Newcastle in the end. I mean, how do these guys keep getting in trouble? 70 million euros, by the way. Mm. 70 million euros was the deal. How do these guys keep getting in trouble for gambling? Who who are these guys? Uh, it, it was a couple other people, correct? Oh, the players he got involved. Yes. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, you're, you're saying you don't really know to what? Uh, I don't get how you can uh, resort to um, betting when you're at that level at that stage. It's just. Uh, I think it's a very. It's a. I don't think it's a very poor decision to make. Now, let's be clear, he wasn't the only one involved in this, but obviously he's the highest profile, right? Like, he's he's the highest profile one um, just because of his transfer fee, let's be real. I think other players are making him out to be a scapegoat, too, to kind of save their skin as well. Yeah, I mean, look, the other people who are who are facing a ban are uh, Nicolo Zaniolo of Aston Villa. That's going to be interesting. Um and Nicolo Fagioli of, uh, of Juventus, who's actually also, he had a breakthrough season last year and he's been playing more um, this year. It is, I believe, Fagioli has already been banned for seven months. So, whew, it is not looking good right now for Tonali. That's crazy. Betting, bet. Why are you? You are making millions. I can go right now and get an estimate for how much this guy is making. Um, at Newcastle. But okay, let's. He didn't do this at Newcastle, right? Let's sit here and let's say, okay, he was making at Milan. You're telling me that he wasn't making that much money at Milan? There's absolutely no way that he was on peanuts. Even if he's on peanuts, come on. People in Italy don't make that much money. It's like in Greece. Just like in Greece, like the, the average person does not make that much money. These people make crazy amounts of money. And I'm pretty sure that they get tax benefits in Italy as well. Well, maybe not the Italian players, but definitely the foreign players. But still, I'm sure they figure out creative ways of getting, you know, out of their taxes and stuff. Why are these guys betting on, on themselves, on games? It's crazy to me. You know, you have guys in the Premier League like, like um, Ivan Tony, another guy. <laughs> Who he he does not seem sympathetic about it. By the way, I've seen some <laughs> interviews. He does not care. <laughs> he he comes off as like not being very sympathetic about it. But like to be betting on games. Come on, guys. You guys are making millions. Ah yeah yeah. But I think to me, what I'm curious about is this. This is my main thing with this thing, right? One, I think it's hilarious because Tenali, and you know, I'm like Tenali's biggest hater, just because I don't like any players going to the Premier League from Serie A. But do you think Milan knew when they sold him to, to Newcastle? I wouldn't be surprised if they knew. They were just getting uh, getting some business done with a little backstory that they knew of. Here's what I'm wondering. Do you think that realistically, like, Newcastle could take legal action against, against AC Milan for this? Like, if they could prove that they knew, if there's a way. I could, I could see it getting dragged out. Um, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, though. Do you know when these rumors started of he was involved in betting? Recently, I want to say within the last month. Okay, because um, 
do you think that maybe these rumors came about, maybe fabricated, maybe true, but they came about because they're in the same Champions League group? It's possible. It's definitely possible, especially after, you know, like they're going to play each other. Right or did they play each other already? They did. They did. Play. Oh, that was when uh, after the was first game. Them. Yes, yes, that's what it is. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. And these apparently these bettings, this betting stuff happened last season. Um, or no, obviously it happened last season. So you're telling me that these guys didn't get a single hint of maybe the Italian Football Federation had already opened an investigation? Because here's the thing, right? Just like with um, with what's it called? What's his face? Paqueta. That those betting stuff got flagged way, way, way back, but they did an investigation. They kept it under wraps. Same thing with Ivan Tony. The investigation, I think, was happening for a while, and then rumors came out like, oh, a Premier League star striker um, has been allegedly found like guilty of betting or something like that, like. The, the investigations happen way, way, way low-key from beforehand. So I'm thinking, how far back did they open up this investigation? And if they did, like, I'm, you're, it's been two months, right? We just said it's been two months. So if this investigation has been going on for longer than that, that means that Newcastle or AC Milan knew when they were selling him. That's crazy. Yeah, I could I could see it being true, though, because there's, like, a few other players involved in this Um betting scandal you can see what being true that they were actually betting tonali and oh, co no i i think no it, it's been proven that they were betting but it wouldn't it wouldn't be the most surprising thing if ac milan or someone from ac milan put out the the rumor story because of some uh head-to-head issues in the champions league or some uh, relationship not going as well because that would have to go with hand in hand with knowing prior to to the uh, suspension coming down that they knew. Well, there's probably that, yeah. But look, there, there's no, there's no allegedly like they they've been found guilty. I'm pretty sure Tanali's. I mean, um, Zaniolo is the only one who hasn't been charged yet. But Fogioli on a on Juve has already been charged seven months ban. Tanali ten months. I wonder if Tanali was the ringleader in all this. I think he was a scapegoat, being an example. Um, M- maybe. For sure. And we got to see what's going to happen with Zaniolo. Now, that's going to be huge for Aston Villa because apparently he's been playing well for them. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is bad. Wait a second. Zaniolo was at Galatasaray last season, at least from January. I'm not 100% sure if it was also. But, bro, if that's the case, that means it's been going on for a long time. Because Zaniolo is on loan to Aston Villa from Galatasaray. Yes, and he was at um, Roma prior to Galatasaray and Inter prior to Roma. Yeah, so, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's kind of crazy. Okay, I think it was January. I think I think he went... Oh, actually, maybe not. Let's see, Galatasaray, I'm, I'm looking right now when he signed. Yeah, 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 okay. It, it was January. January, yeah. So, that means that this has been happening... At least since then. At least since then, right? Unless they're just boys and they were like doing it like over WhatsApp. Like, I don't really know. But <laughs> I mean, that's a long time to be. I don't know. It's not looking too good, but I would not be surprised if AC Milan totally just screwed over 
uh, Newcastle knew about this and just sold him right away for seventy million. What a deal! These Italian guys, man, they they know the art of the deal. <laughs> wow. So so that's a huge story. Um, huge story developing. You know, a little shady, I would say, from AC Milan. If if all this is true, but um, I figure since we're here, this is casual footy talk. Um, and we did just talk about shady deals, shady ownership. I want to talk to you uh, about a little story, actually. Um, last week, I watched on Netflix, I watched a French show. It was in French. It was a, like a short show, um, you know, like a mini series. And it was called Class Act. And it was about the life, the late life, the adult life of Bernard Tapie. You ever heard of this guy? Before, you know, I spoke to him about you? I did not. So, Bernard Tapie was a French businessman who was worth millions and millions and millions by the time he died um, in 2021. He died pretty recently. But in the show, basically, he makes his millions by being a very good businessman and, and a very good manager in that he's able to to take struggling companies, organize them, make them profitable, and then flip them. And that's how he made his money. Now, he was always into football. And what I learned in the show, I didn't know anything about this beforehand. What I learned in the show is that eventually in 1986, he becomes the president of Olympic de Marseille. We know Marseille. Yes, we do. We, we know Marseille very well. Really cool story. This guy was in charge of one of the most, you can argue it is the most because just it's modern era, the most successful time period in Marseille's modern history and by modern history I mean like you know when people started taking soccer seriously which is like basically in the 80s you know once soccer like actually started becoming like a real sport that you could make money off of and have a full-time career out of anything before that I know it sounds a little sounds a little controversial but I think you know before then there were people who were actually farmers playing soccer so in their modern history this guy was the president of Marseille from 1986 to 1994. Now, you're going to absolutely lose your mind when you hear what this guy did with Marseille. It's it's actually ridiculous. Um, <laughs> as a president with Marseille, he won. The French Ligue won two, three, four times, and really he won it five times, but I'm going to give you a story as to why he only has four. He was also runner-up in that league um, twice, so won it four times, technically five, and was the runner-up three times, right? Now, this is where I guess crazy, or crazier. He won the Champions League with Marseille. He won the UEFA Champions League with Marseille. He was a runner-up in 1991, and he won the league in 1993 as the owner. And this is where things start to get crazy, because I mentioned this Champions League, right? Now, in the show, it goes on to talk about, you know, about this Marseille team and how good they were. Mind you, this Marseille team had players like Jean-Pierre Papin, who was a Ballon d'Or winner had players like let me let me let me go through let, let me tell you this is the Champions League winning team the starting lineup of this team that won the Champions League for uh for Marseille uh let me get to it right now so it had Marcel Desailly 
that being one, had a guy named uh, Rudy Voller. <laughs> you might know him as one of the most successful uh, German forwards of all time. He was a massive German forward, very successful. Also had players such as Abedi Pele, who is a Ghanaian legend. Uh, not that Pele. <laughs> Different Pele, but also a Ghanaian legend. Um, it also had other French legends on the team, such as Fabien Barthez. So, and Didier Deschamps, who was the captain of the team, mind you. So, star-studded team. Beat AC Milan one nothing in the Champions League final in 1993. So this was like an all-star team. But it gets a little crazy here. The week before the Champions League, they were set to play Valenciennes. Now this was an important match in that if they won this game, they were assured the French League. They were going to beat out PSG to the French League. Now Bernard Tapi, the president, being very competitive and wanting to win as much as possible he didn't want to sacrifice the french league his manager wanted to sacrifice the french league or at least put it at risk for the champions league because they already they had already won the champions league or the french league four times up until that point so wanting to you know not not go easy on them he tells his coach we got to have a strong squad but valenciennes were known to be the bruises of the league even though they were in a relegation battle they're also in a relegation battle they were known to hurt the opposing team hurt the players of the opposing team whenever they would play opposing teams. So they were nervous, obviously. They didn't want to you know, have their important players injured for the Champions League final less than a week. So Bernard Tapie got a player on his team to organize a little bribing scandal where he bribed three players on Valenciennes to throw the game for them. Now, they threw the game. Marseille went on to win the game, and they went on to win the Champions League the following week. Everything was good. Here's the thing, though. One of the players on Valenciennes wound up you know, having second thoughts and told on Marseille. This ensued a huge legal battle that ended up with Bernard Tapie being forced to step down as Marseille president. And even worse, Marseille were stripped of their 1993 league un title so they went from five legoons to four and they were relegated from the french league into league two or league Two. they were able to keep their champions league title luckily but they were relegated from the french league and with that they were also disqualified from participating in the following champions league and super cup the year after so this Marseille team went from being the most one of the most successful Marseille teams ever, and you could argue it is their most successful team in modern history, with Bernard Bernard Tapie at the helm, to being relegated and being one of the worst time periods in Marseille history. Since that point, Marseille has won the French league once in 2009-10. That's it. They've won it once since then. They've won. The Coupe de France, the Coupe de France, no times since then. They only went it once with Tapi, and they've won the Coupe de la Ligue a few times since then. But I'm pretty sure that's like not a, a major trophy. And obviously, they haven't done anything um, in any European competitions. They were in, they were runners up in the Europa League a few times. And that's it. Most notably, 2017, 2018. Um, but since then, they haven't really done anything. And it's all because 
And despite Bernard Tapie, who was this guy who I watched the documentary about, I thought that was crazy. I I knew that Marseille won a, a Champions League, but I didn't know how good their team was back then, how star-studded their squad was. And it's kind of crazy seeing like how all of it kind of fell apart after <laughs> a bribery scandal where realistically they probably could have won the game on their own. And, and their coach believed that they could have won the game on their own. Um, and this betting scandal, you know, obviously ruined people's lives. Um, and Bernard Tapie wound up going to jail for it for a little less than a year. That ruined his reputation. And so just, just a little, you know, random little tidbit there, just from a little Netflix show that I saw that piqued my interest. I read a little bit more about it. Um, yeah, Marseille. Champions League winners, then relegation battlers. You know, being in the second division of Ligue 1, of of the French pyramid, is Marseille historically though one of the 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 best French team or tied with the most league titles with PSG now, right? They have nine Ligue 1 titles. I don't know how many PSG has. I think PSG has nine as well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you probably Olympic Lyon is the other team that has the most. I mean, I'll double check for no, you. No, but I think I think PSG is is like uh, up there with Marseille now. PSG has eleven Ligue 1 titles. Oh, I see. Um, because oh, that was the other thing. Um, wait, why my I think my timeline might be a little bit off. Um, they were given the Ligue 1 title, or they won the Ligue 1 title in ninety three, ninety four. Um, oh, interesting. Hmm. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out. League table. Ah, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Ah, that's what happened. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah, there was no... Yes. So they won... The, the year that Marseille eventually did get relegated, because obviously, you know, like, with these legal battles, they usually take, like, a year. Mm-hmm. Marseille finished second the following year, and then they got relegated because they were found guilty. So, yeah. So, so yeah. PSG has 11... I'm curious to see what Olympic Lyon has. Lyon. Olympic Lyon. Are you looking this up? I am I am not currently of, looking this up. Of course you're not. You're you're useless. Olympic Lyon. Let's see. Let's see how many. Of course we're doing this completely off the cuff, just figuring stuff out. Honors. They have 7. They have 7 Lyon. Have they won a Champions League? They have not won a Champions League. Well, there you go. So, a little French drama that I got to read up on. So, that's my little uh, that's my little bit on that. Do you, do you have anything uh, any anything else to uh? I have I have nothing else to add to this episode of the podcast. Nothing else to add to this casual footy talk. So, so yeah, we're gonna wrap it up there. Leave you with a little bit of a story about th- about that. Um. So yeah, my name is Pano. I'm Dimitri, a.k.a. Juicy. And we're out of here.